Hello, YouTubers, and hello, live streamers. This is going to be yet another live-streamed Locked On MLB, where we're going to be talking about the fact that all three American League divisions have a champion crowned. The Yankees are the last one to do it. But there is one that stormed their way to a division title in kind of a shocking manner. Dare people in Cleveland be optimistic? Well, I am going to ask Jeff Ellis of Locked On Guardians to join us and talk a little bit about the remarkable September that the Guardians had and will that extend to October. This is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Baseball fans and YouTubers and live streamers, and welcome to Locked On MLB. This is the podcast where we talk about all of Major League Baseball all season long on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I am your host, Emmy-nominated television producer, comedian, writer, teacher, filmmaker, all of the above and podcaster for the last decade. My name is Paul Francis Sullivan. If you're watching me on the YouTube Hey, there's my lower third. Feel free to call me Sully. You could follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. And I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Thanks so much for making us your first listen. And be sure to tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown MLB or check out some of the other great shows on the Lockdown Podcast Network, including, let's just take one at random, Lockdown Guardians with Jeff Ellis. Uh, Jeff Ellis has been a guest on our show several times, both as an individual guest and in a roundtable situation. But we're going to talk a little bit today about the fact that his Guardians have won what looked like was going to be an airtight division battle, and it turned out to be anything but. And by the way, if you're watching us on the uh, live feed, throwing questions in the chat, we'll be happy to talk about it. Hey, let's get right to it. Here's Jeff Ellis. Where are you, buddy? Are you there? Hold on. Hold on. Oh, there, there you are. Now I put the background in. Sorry, this is what happens when you're doing it live. There it is. There's your background. Sorry, there's a little glitch there. It looks like we got a couple eyeballs watching us in the live stream. Hello, everybody. Jump in the chat if you want. How you doing, Jeff? You know, I'm doing pretty well. I, if you see my eyes going to the side, I'm just kind of checking this extra innings affair uh, for the Cleveland Guardians. But you know, I, I won't lie. It's, it's been fun. It's a fun team in Cleveland. It really is. There's, for the most part, you look at it, and it's just a group of even the underachievers are just fun people, uh, and there's great stories about them. And, yeah, I, I, it's hard to not like this team. And kind of one of my running themes of late has been, listen, the name change – is a hot button issue. And you and I have done whole discussions on that multiple times. But if you are not following this team, cause you're mad about a name, uh, you're just hurting yourself because this is such a fun team right now and missing out on them, uh, is just doing yourself a disservice. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, right now, like I said, extra inning affair, we had an immaculate inning in yeah. this game, the fourth in franchise history. Yeah, so 
That's Tell pretty us fun. about that and, and describe. I'm, I'm sure most of our fans know what an immaculate inning is, but to fill them in. So an immaculate inning uh, is an inning where a pitcher only needs nine pitches and he strikes out all three batters. It's kind of, I call it the reliever equivalent of a perfect game because, you know, they don't get those opportunities. So the immaculate inning is very rare, very cool to see. Uh, like I said, it's a fourth time. The The last time it happened was Zach Plesak in 2020 when he was otherworldly Zach Plesak that one year. It's like, you know, that old, which one of these is not like the other. That would be the Plesak year of that. Uh, Carlos Carrasco in 2018, then Justin Masterson in 2014. So you think of all the great pitching Cleveland have had in the last decade. I mean, they have multi, what, three different, four different Cy Young winners, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy because before this last decade, they had, I believe, like maybe two Cy Young winners. Uh, so they, they've been a, an absolute, you know, uh, those are the names that pop up for the Immaculate Innings. So it's it's kind of random, but it's fun. Uh, you know, we're obviously there's, there's bigger stories that are going on and occurring in this game, but that is the one that I was most likely to lean into hard. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's an amazing story. And I think then, and the thing that is incredible. And I was talking on a podcast. I was a guest on called a uh, baseball PhD. It's unbelievable that this is not just the youngest American league team or the youngest major league team. They'd be the youngest triple A team. I mean, this the, the the this is an unbelievably young ball club that we have here, and they're going to be around. I mean, if you missed out on this year, this team's coming back next year. I mean, this is basically the core of who's going to be here. I mean, when you look at when next year, especially after re-signing Jose Ramirez, who's the old man of this team. Uh, yeah, I I think they probably could have used a one veteran hitter or another in the in the lineup, but. You know, you can't ask for a, a better month of what, what came about here. No, you really can't. I think they're, what, 18 and 2 in their last 20 games, which is over, yeah. like, 19 days because they've had those doubleheaders. It's been a weird year. Uh, you know, for anyone who uh, – let's hit on all the hot-button stuff. Between the name change, let's let's talk about climate issues. Uh, I've never seen so many doubleheaders and canceled games in my life as this team has had this year. So they've, they've had to overcome that. They've had the least home games in all of baseball this year, uh, partially due to, to the lost games they've had. But they just keep winning. And for as much as everyone likes to be like, well, it's the American League Central. The Central's bad, this and that. The White Sox and Twins were solid teams when they faced them. Yeah, they struggled with Seattle, but they beat Houston the last time they faced them in a series. They beat Toronto the last time they faced them in a series. Uh, they you, know, you can go through. They they beat they swept the Padres last time they faced them in a series. It's not like it's all cupcakes. Yes, they have cupcakes, and they're taking advantage of cupcakes. They're also just a really good team. Well, you know, the Astros play in the West where there's only one other major league team in that division. You know, I mean, like the yeah. Angels, after the first two months, the Angels have stunk. The Rangers stink. The A's stink. There's only one real team in that division that's any good. That's Seattle. I mean, look at the the thing that's really amazing about Cleveland. I talked about this ad nauseum, but they went into it. It was Minnesota tied them the day before Labor Day, and Chicago was right on their heels. And it looked like we were about to have a three-team, you, you know, totally pick them, flip a coin, pennant race down the stretch, which is amazing. 
But what Cleveland just did is they absolutely pummeled Minnesota. Minnesota's going to finish the season sub 500. And what, the Twins only won one out of nine games? And the White Sox didn't fare much better. And, you know, when you go for the fact that there was a dead even, dead freaking even uh, this month on the 5th of September, and they've, in, what was it, in 22 days, they've added 10 games to the lead on Chicago and 12 games to the lead to Minnesota. That's unheard of. They just, on a very basic level, they took care of business, right? Like, they just going through those games it's they had more problems in the last month with the tigers than they had with the twins or the white Sox. yeah and again the tigers just swept the white Sox, so maybe they're just uh kryptonite the teams near the top but you know it's something to watch and it's going to be interesting you know they're, they're facing the rays now uh uh the rays just blew this thing up here uh in the in the 11th inning so probably going to lose this one to the rays but that could potentially be their first round matchup. So this yeah. could be a preview of coming attractions uh, in general, when you're just talking about this team and what's, what's on the horizon. If they split, they have after this, I believe they have eight games after this one. And if they split them, they'll win 90 games. And, you know, a 90 win team, I think, I, look at this just could be me, but I think that there's something about having your team winning 90 games that feels like you're more than just a team that's the beneficiary of a easy, you know, easy schedule or an easy division. You know, if you win 90 games, you've had to beat other teams outside of your division. And, you know, the way that they've been playing, I mean, look at it's, uh, I think it's going to be the type of team that is going to, you know, have that little extra boost and give Cleveland fans a lot of pleasure in the weeks and months, maybe in years to come. And if you're looking for pleasure, I recommend Blue Chew. The nights are getting longer. But guess what? Teams are out there trying to please their fans, and you might be trying to please the one you love. And this episode is brought to you by Blue Chew. Look at Confidence can take you only so far in life. Especially that's true in the bedroom. When it's time to step up to the plate, that's where Blue Chew comes in. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead. Jeff, write this down. You can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and a fraction of the cost. Hey! Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of the licensed medical providers. I talked to Mike, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. I got mine in two days. The best part, it's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office. No walk into the lobby and say, oh, you're looking for a refill, Mr. Sullivan. No, please leave me alone. No awkward conversations. Hey, Jeff, you're here too? And no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA. I like these pills to be domestic and prepared and shipped to your door in a discreet package. It doesn't say Blue Chew in bright letters, no, nor does it say Built Bar. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it, then do it. 
We've got a special deal for all Locked On MLB listeners. And I'll talk to Mike, see if we can get it for Locked On Guardians listeners too. Try Blue Chew for free when you use promo code Locked On at checkout and just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code Locked On. Receive your first month for free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Our Welcome first sponsor. Yeah, Ever, first, I believe, first, right? Yeah, that's right. Hey, uh, look who's here. We got David Samuel Blaine, who's become one of my uh, favorite listeners. How you doing, David, buddy? How you doing? You must be. Are you happy about the Yankees clinching the division? You know, it was not, you know, all that talk about, all oh, the great collapse. They had this great collapse. They had that. They've clinched the division with a week to spare. They have an eight to half game lead. You know, what, what a tremendous collapse they had. So they're not going to win 110 games. So they'll win 98. So it's crazy. Uh, oh, David Samuel Blaine said, uh, let's see. What, what do you say here? Oh, let's read what he said. Uh, Boris Don Magley, the Marlins is out in 2023. Yeah, well, he was there for he was there for seven years. Sorry there, buddy. He was there for seven years, David. So I, I can't feel that badly for Don Magley. Um, but uh, you know, he, they got him in the playoffs in the in the season where they went to uh, was the um the COVID year. So uh and they lost their first ever playoff series. Remember, they won the, the series in the wild card round, but then they lost to uh I believe it was Atlanta in the division series. And that was the first time in history the Marlins ever lost a playoff series because they ran the table in 97. Sorry, Jeff. And they ran the table in 2003. Sorry, Stacey Gotsoulias. And uh, so the Marlins finally lost a playoff series. But, you know, Don Mattingly, uh, you know, I bet he's going to find work elsewhere. But Kim Ng, Kim Ng was the new GM there. And this was not her pick. So you get the sense that she's going to have her person in there. Uh, I'm always a big fan of bringing in, get your drinks out, folks, because everyone does a shot every time I suggest to hire one of Bruce Bochy's lieutenants. But Roberto Kelly should be a major league manager. Hensley Mueller should be a major league manager. Give him a shot. Um, But we're not talking about, oh, uh, and also, hey, you were talking about, uh, uh, hey, David, talk about the Yankees there. Um, They clinched the division. Congratulations to them. But uh, Judge, who it looked like he was going to homer at will, faced the Red Sox and couldn't get a home run against them. And he has yet to hit a home run in the Rogers Center. He walked four times today. I know some people are mad at them, but I'm going to say something that may offend some people. The Blue Jays are trying to win. The Blue Jays are still in a pennant race. They're not here to serve up home runs to freaking Aaron Judge. They're trying to get to October. So if they want to walk him or pitch around him, that's, uh, I hate to say this, you may not want to hear this, Yankee fans, but that would be the smart thing for them to do, to not let to let someone else defeat them. So um, I, I part of me thinks it would be absolutely hilarious with eight games left if Judge goes homerless the final eight games. There would be part of it, especially because they have the brand new, uh, uh, you know, the brand new balls that they throw out uh, for each game. Have you seen that? That there's special Aaron Judge balls so they can keep track if he hits a home run. Um, 
I would love it if he finished the season with 60 homers. There would be something intrinsically hilarious about that. And uh, I would hope they, they paid for the Maris family uh, for all of their trips that have been going left and right. I think Jeff is transfixed on the game. Um, yeah, sorry. No, I uh, wasn't sure. You know, when it comes down to this this whole series, uh, you know, hey, I, I got a root for Maris. He's a former uh, Cleveland Indian. You know, it, if we're, it's, I mean, people forget about it, but they, uh, I almost typed Cleveland Maris. I wanted to pull up Roger, the, the exact trade. You know, Cleveland was really bad for a lot of years. And one of those main reasons was, is they were the Yankees farm system. See, so Maris at age 23, he was traded to Kansas City, then Kansas City to New York. And, um, well, yeah, I, one of those I, great maneuvers. They, uh, well, I did a uh, whole, I did a whole podcast the other day, if you heard it, where I talked about there was basically the A's and the Yankees were committing collusion in the 50s because Johnson, the owner of the A's, had a financial stake in Yankee Stadium. And the A's just would accept whatever players the Yankees sent to them and whatever quality players they sent back. And a lot of the other teams were enraged that the Indians traded Roger Maris to the A's because they knew that meant his next stop was the Yankees. So if they had held on to him. I will say this, though. Part of me is like, I mean, in terms of all of their awful trades, like, Cleveland got Vic Power, who would be an all-star the next two years, and, like, had some pretty strong performances and just from a personal narrative uh woody held is a top five second baseman in franchise history uh had unusual power definitely for that position i think he might have been first no he was a second baseman that and it was my dad's favorite player growing up so i, I have a hard time hating on the maris deal just more from the personal perspective but than anything but look, else look at the deal when kansas city dealt them to new york they just took back like Hank Bauer and Don Larson, all these guys who were great before, but were breaking down. And they sent them back like Roger Maris. And um, I think Ralph Terry was in that trade, who was a world, who became a World Series MVP. See, they got they, uh, Kent Headley and Joe D. Masterati. Uh, Kent Headley had a negative war. Masterati had a negative war. Don Larson and Hank Bauer were the names I, I recognize from the. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, they were great players in championship years, but were broken down by then. Yeah. So there's a here, take our broken down veterans and give me your good players. And that's what they did. Yep. And it was, it was, it was, well, okay. I, I went on a whole big rant on that before. Um, so, oh, by the way, uh, David Samuel Blaine, my buddy, uh, what else was the second question you asked? I'm going to put it up here. Who's the next top New York Mets player. Um, I assume you mean on the current squad, uh, you know, Pete Alonso is, is, you know, had tons of tremendous hits this year. Lindor has been everything they could ask for. Although I will say the, you know, ah, the guardians uh, certainly got some good players back in exchange from, and uh, you know, I mean, Lindor McNeil, uh alonzo for your regular you know for your regular players and obviously scherzer and um uh degrom you know that's no small thing that's going on there though the fact that the uh that division's on the verge of i think that i think it is tied right now and um you have a hundred win wild card team right well you had one of those last year too um but you know you had the one you had the one game playoff with los angeles 
but um the uh uh but the fact of the matter is is that um the, the, with them tied and like what seven or eight games left to play both teams are making the playoffs obviously both teams are going to wind up with 100 wins i mean the mets aren't choking they've won seven of their last 10 games it's just that the Braves don't lose either but if they if the Mets have to play a wild card series that means they're going to burn out DeGrom and Scherzer in that first round and probably wouldn't have either one of them available until game 3 of the division series so um that's dangerous that's a dangerous situation for them uh David also said the Dodgers better not uh, better not underestimate San Diego uh, I think they can. <laughs> no offense, Javi Reyes. Uh, they're 21 games ahead of San Diego. Seem to always underperform. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just that thing with that with that team. It just feels like they always underperform. If the Dodgers win today, this is game 154 for Los Angeles. And right now, what's the score? Uh, right now, uh, LA's losing to San Diego. Oh, no, maybe... Maybe uh, David's on to something. If the Dodgers pull this win off, they'll have the highest win total in franchise history for a single season in 100, in 150, with 154 games. You know, with, with still, what, eight games left to play. I mean, this is going to be the best team, regular season team the Dodgers have ever had in terms of win-loss records. I think they're going to be okay. Hey, let's get back to... The uh, let's get back to the Guardians. Game, for a game is officially over. Cleveland did get one in the 11th, it was not enough. They dropped the game six to five today. Trevor Steffen, greatest rule five selection in Guardians history, by the way, picks up the lost. The lost, the loss. Uh, it's him and, and Tom Waddle. Waddell, a former a reliever from Scotland, of all places, are the only two guys with greater than two career war that the guardians have ever selected in the rule five, which says a lot because it's the same franchise that has lost uh, Kelly Gruber, Anthony Santander, Hector Rondon. Um, and I can keep going somewhere. I have a list I went through. So just, just some fun facts, but yeah, Cleveland drops a winnable game. Uh, the other fun fact for this game, it's the first time Cleveland has faced Corey Kluber, I believe since he left. So it was Corey Kluber versus Shane Bieber. And you're like uh, Darth Vader versus Obi-Wan matchup uh, mm -hmm. for this one. You can pick who's Darth Vader or, or Obi-Wan. Uh, neither were very, uh, well, they weren't uh, ineffective, but neither were living quite up to the standards of expectations of this year. All right. So let's just take a look at this for, I mean, like at this point, um, Seattle, Tampa, and Toronto are basically going to be in a scrum where you're probably going to find out who Cleveland's going to face on the final weekend of the season. Like, so it's, I don't, I think it's a fool's errand to try and sort of say who you'd rather face. Um, so, but let's just, just take a little, let's look into our crystal ball a little bit at the team right now. Uh, in that wild card series, you have to give Bieber a start, right? He has to yes. start game one and probably McKenzie starts game two, right? Or are you going to go Quantrill? Um, yeah, it's McKenzie. No, it's definitely McKenzie for two. And yeah. one, one could debate McKenzie versus Bieber for the two, for first or second, however you want to run those. I, I It's a little hyperbole because I think people don't realize just how good Bieber's been outside of like, he's, he's top five in most advanced statistical categories. I, you have those two clearly as the top two 
Quantrell at three. And if you need someone beyond them, that's where it's going to get interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, look at, you know, B- don't look now. Bieber has an outside chance. An outside chance. How many innings did he pitch tonight? Uh, let's see. He threw six innings tonight. Okay, so he right now has 195 innings for the year. He could finish the season with 200 innings, which would be, you know, in this day and age makes you a workhorse. Um, uh, McKenzie's had a fine year. Um, you know, but you know, Quantrill, you know, Shivali, it's, it's Shivali, right? That's, am I saying it right? Savali. Right? Savali. Savali. Oh, um, he pitched very well the other day. Um, do you, do you take a risk and start someone like a Savali or like, who else would you, I mean, you're not going to start. Kirk McCarty. I mean, who else would you possibly start in a playoff situation other than Quantrill? So you're, I really think if, you know, Savali has just been, he keeps getting hurt. You got Plesak who's supposed to return um, in the next week. And then the other one is honestly the rookie Cody Morris, where again, it's injuries. Like if he had not been hurt um, for extended periods of time, you know, he missed, he came back in July, like mid-July from an injury that he sustained in spring training. He might have been up before that. He might have been with his team longer. He's only had two games in the post since he's been called up where he went over 60 pitches. Like he has been very limited this year. So I'm kind of curious what they're well, we going to do. Someone in the chat has a definite thought on this, and it's uh, Aaron uh, Saltzbrenner says, Savali has to be the next guy, right? The thing with Savali is he's been very good in the start since he came back, mm-hmm. but he, I mean, this is his worst year ever. Like you get into the numbers, you get into the performance. Uh, he has been incredibly inconsistent, inconsistent. So I just kind of, easy for uh, you to I, say. I got, I got some small concerns and there's that part of it. that's also like, you know, Cody Morris has looked really good and there is almost no tape on him. Like he said, what four big league starts, he throws hard he misses bats. Sometimes that's, you know, it's more valuable when teams have seen less. And in that regard, he might be the guy. I mean, you can go back um, to 2020, the last, team this ma- last time this team made the postseason. Savali was the reliever they left on the bench or the starter who got turned to a reliever type of deal. Uh, very different situation. I mean, that was a team that had Carrasco. Plesak, again, was in that one exceptional year of performance. But yeah, I, I don't know if it's Savali, just because, again, he's he's thrown like what well, I, I did the math here. He's thrown like 23. He's thrown less than 30 innings since mid-July. Right. Well, maybe that's now here's now here's my question. Here's my question. And this might be a dangerous thing to ask. What would happen if you started Bieber game one and then like a Savali? Or and you expect Savali and then maybe to dip in your bullpen, hoping that you win games one and two and have a Tristan McKenzie available to start game one of the division series against either New York or Houston. Probably New York. Yeah, I you know what? So the last time I was on, I talked about the whole, you know, uh Jin Yang, the like the horse racing equation. Do you remember mm-hmm. me discussing yeah, yeah. Chinese horse racing? Yeah. Uh, 
and, and there's that part of me that says like if you're gonna throw something crazy like you know like you talk about it's it it is you know maybe you throw Quantrill in game one and you see how everything else lines up but yeah i you know it it's tricky and at the end of the day terry francona who has his ups and downs you know i'm not a hundred percent of a kool-aid drinker just because of some of the i would like to see a little bit more lean into the advanced thought instead of it just he's he's a little his big focus is do the hit lefty do the hit righty in lineup construction and that drives me a little batty but when the postseason is when he shines like he comes out and does original things so i wouldn't be shocked by any decision he kind of makes and i could see him going uh, with what you talked about there i could see him like doing a bullpen by committee because the bullpen is just been so ridiculously good like if he goes out and were to do something like you know sam henches who was a starter he got moved to the pen this year who has had the best era of any reliever in baseball in the second half Mm -hmm. you throw out the lefty have him go two innings the whole lineup has now been set up to face a lefty and then you bring in someone like savale to pitch the next four when it is a now right-handed heavy lineup so you've you know they're gonna set up a lineup to hit the left-handers then you put in the righty quickly and i could see something like that happening as well uh we saw Cleveland do similar things with Kurt McCarty earlier in the year, but in the postseason, why not go for your top lefty? Now the downside is that eliminates essentially the only reliable left-hander in your pen, but it's still, it could really throw a team off. And again, at the other side of things, I mean, last time this team made a world series, Ryan Merritt, uh, I believe won the the clincher against the blue Jays. And then did he ever pitch in the majors again after that? I mean, I, I don't know if he did. That might have been the end of his major league career was that game. Well, there's, there's gosh, there's so many times. No, I'm sorry. He came back in 2017, so uh, he did come back the next year. There are two times where the Indians went on wonderful runs, and they were the Indians. I'm not calling them, you know, but uh, a, a key pitcher either being hurt or ineffective at the wrong time may have cost Cleveland a World Series title. I mean, think about in – um, in 2007, if you had a healthy and capable Cliff Lee or even a mediocre Cliff Lee in that rotation along with CC Sabathia and the man who claimed to be Fausto Carmona in the rotation, they beat Boston and probably would have slapped around Colorado in the World Series. And, yeah. and then... Of course, no, that's that's the big what-if. And the other one is the, in um, in 2016... Danny Salazar was reduced to a mop-up man, and Carlos Carrasco was injured for the postseason, and they had to ride uh, Corey Kluber like a mule uh, to the point where he was exhausted by Game 7. He had nothing left of the tank in Game 7. And that's also, you know, the infamous year that, uh, you know, they beat Toronto after Trevor Bowers bleeding on baseballs because he cut his hand playing with drones. Which will still is still not the biggest reason to shake your head at the existence of Trevor Bauer. I know. I know. It's like, the, do you bring him up? Do you not bring him up? But if we're just talking about that postseason, which is, I, I know it, it's, it's hard, but like, I also just, if you're talking about the ridiculousness of that year, you know, that they lost half the road. And I talked about on the show, that's why like this team is built the way they're built and why this team never ripped it down to the, uh, never did the full fire sale rebuild. Because I mean that was that's the postseason they had no business going anywhere, at that that close from winning at all. 
I, I've still got okay, my right. game two ticket and my program. If there's any Cubs fans who want to make me a really good offer on a, a World Series uh, ticket stub and program from the first World Series game the Cubs had won in how many years? So I'll just put that out if there. J- if Jason Kip- if Jason Kipnis's foul ball doesn't hook foul in the bottom of the ninth, uh, we're having a very different conversation about Cleveland's legacy. But anyway, I don't yeah. mean I was the I was like the only non uh Clevelander rooting for against the Cubs in that World Series. Um I was rooting for Cleveland to win the World Series that year over the Cubs. Uh for I two main reasons. First of all, I, I did not like a Roldis Chapman. I didn't want the image of a Roldis Chapman celebrating be the clip I see from this day forward. Um and Agreed. fortunately, that was you know, the clip we see of him is coughing up the Rajay Davis home run. Um, and Mike Montgomery, of all people, got to be the one. Actually, the clip you really see is Rizzo jumping up and putting the ball in his back pocket. But uh, and the other is I'm such a Francona fan. Uh, I love as as a native New Englander, uh, I'm, I'm a huge Francona fan. And I knew that if he won with the Red Sox and in Cleveland, that makes him the like the king of destroying curses. So, and then he you came know, so close and said it was Epstein, right? Yeah. You know, it's the, the other guy from that run who became the yeah. king of curse destruction. Well, look at maybe this is a curse destruction for I me mean, because look at I'm not trying to get ahead of ourselves because you know, uh, we don't know what these wild card rounds are going to be like. I mean, the, whatever happens, game two is an elimination game for somebody, and uh, so. That's probably one reason not to be playing games with rotation, stuff like that, when you know if you lose game one, your back is to the wall. You lose any game, your back is to the wall the next day. But um, if Cleveland can somehow get past Tampa, Seattle, or or Toronto, whichever one it is, and they'll have home field, um, they would face New York. And... I think they have. I think they're the exact worst team for New York to face. That they've got good pitching up and down, and that their their offense is like a swarm of bees that would drive the team crazy. Yeah, or, or midges, as it were. Oh right! Oh, how did crazy. I how did I drop that reference? Oh my Just, god! Uh, <laughs> to go, you know, future guardian great Joba Chamberlain. Um, oh God. But uh, no, I, that's like it's been weird seeing this narrative shift. And I get it. Like White Sox and Twins fans have to be incredibly frustrated. But all of a sudden I've seen a lot of like my Twitter. Maybe it's just I follow the wrong people retweeting stuff. But a lot of people being angry uh, about Cleveland advancing or this whole like narrative that like. So, yeah, the Guardians Twitter account is making a big deal that no one believed them. And it's like why? And I've seen multiple like impartial people, you know, say negative things about it. I'm like it isn't just like people not believing in you and you being successful, like 70 to 80% of the Hoosiers movie. Like that, you know, I was one of my first sports movies. Wasn't that major league? And uh, like that is sports. It's bad news bears. It's every, that's every, it's everything. And all all of a sudden, yeah. And and people are getting mad about them doing that. Or, or, you know, if you're a twins fan or like the twins have been hurt all year. So I understand frustration. If you're the white Sox. Tony La Russa, you know, uh, we got to check and make sure he wasn't betting on games just with the way he sabotaged the season uh, for them. Like, I understand their frustration, but like, 
some of the negativity I've seen with Cleveland, I'm like, I, I don't get it. This is a fun, scrappy team. And for anyone who wants to like shred them and talk about the division, I talked about on yesterday's show, they are second in FIP in the second half of the year for their bullpen fielding independent pitching ERA, which is the best predictor. And I like FIP to XFIP because I don't think for those who don't know, quick primer XFIP normalizes home run rates. I don't like that. Some guys are more, the guardians don't care about home runs. If you go and look at their data, they take guys with higher home run rates. They would much rather the ball go in the air than on the ground because while it can be worse in the air, the more likelihood of outcomes are positive on a fly ball to a ground ball. So they intentionally build a team. So if you look at XFIP, their numbers are even better. But they're, what, uh, fifth all year in bullpen. They're top 10 in pitching. They are number one in most metrics defensively. They're number one in many metrics in terms of base running. It's an old school team. Uh, Number one in, in contact rates. Listen, power is abysmal and walks are abysmal. Those are not but strong areas for this team. But they put the ball in play. But they're just always making contact. And, yeah. and again, it's you know speed, it's it's base running, it's defense, it's some really phenomenal pitching. This is, you know, having followed this team for my, this is far and away the greatest bullpen I've ever seen. Like, yeah, okay, Trevor Steffen, we talked about it. tonight. He gets the loss. It's it's yeah, but not his really- best performance, but like. It's still funny to me when people are like, you know, Class A hasn't been very good in extra innings. He's got a 132 ERA. What do you want from yeah. the guy? Like, yeah. what, do you, what do you expect? He he probably doesn't get the credit he deserves. He probably, like, anytime anyone talks about the best reliever in baseball, you don't see his name brought up. It should be. Uh, well, it honestly, should be. And I there's just so-, so many other players at the back end of this that make this a, an exceptional de- or team and an exceptional bullpen, which bullpens win postseason. That team that advanced far it was the bullpen. It was Andrew Miller, it was Cody Allen, it was those pieces more than the starters that got him into the World Series. Well, as we wrap up here, I'm going to remind everyone there was a team. I have to go. You have to go a long way back to think of it, but nobody expected them. They thought they were the. They were thought they were playing in a weak division, and their bullpen shocked every team that had a better record than them and ended up with a World Series parade. And that was last year's Braves. And so you take a look. The Brewers had the better rotation. The Dodgers were a 106-win team. The Astros could score at will. What stopped all three of those rounds was the fact that it was Matzik and Smith and Jackson, all those guys that no one could get a hit off of in the big moment. And in the end, Atlanta was was standing tall. So it is – Will it be Cleveland's turn? I don't know. Neither do you. We're going to find out soon, but I think this is one of the most fun teams to watch in baseball. Jeff Ellis, where can people follow your show? Uh, You know, you can follow. The big one is the YouTube. If I can just take a second and say, go check out Locked on Guardians on YouTube. I want to pull up my subscriber count and quickly pause before sounds come. I'm sitting here at 682 subscribers. As anyone who listens to any of these shows knows, the big push is for 1,000. So if you want any Guardians talk, and then I'll also throw out, uh, I do a lot of prospect talk and draft talk in general. So if you're not getting enough of that, if you know, you're know you following Lindsay, you want even more, occasionally those are going to pop up in the feed over at Lockdown Guardians. All right. You can follow us at Lockdown and Milby Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm your pal Sully, but Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Talking about the Guardians and seeing if this will be the one year where everything clicks together baseball's youngest team this has been locked on mlb i am your host paul francis sullivan please call me sully